story of the day's journey, whether we read books, whether we uh, watch movies, box sets, um, even some reality TV, soaps, things like that. What, what gets us all hooked in is that power of story, and it compels us to kind of want to find out what happens next, doesn't it? Now, some of these things are perhaps more realistic than others, particularly some of the reality shows, believe it or not. But, you know, one of the things I love about Jesus, there's many things I love about Jesus, but one of the things is the way that he could gather a crowd of people, and he would just keep them um, gripped by the power of story. And in these stories that he used to tell, um, or parables, um, as what they're referred to, is Jesus takes something that's really familiar to his listeners, like planting seeds or how people treated one another, to convey something far more unfamiliar, but far deeper, a real spiritual truth um, hidden beneath those layers of story. Now, you know, at first glance, some of these parables can be confusing because it isn't always clear what Jesus is getting at. But I think he does this to compel us as listeners, then and now, to search for the deeper meaning and to grapple with the things that he wants to share with us. So this morning, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be share, um, looking at another one of Jesus' parables. Um, but before we do that, let's just pray together, and then we'll read it. Lord, I thank you so much that you are interested in each of our own stories, the, the lives that we lead. And I thank you um, that you want to use this story this morning to speak truth into our lives. And so I want to ask, Lord, that the things that you want to be speaking to us with our ears and our eyes, would, I, would they be open to, to hear what you want to say to us? And I pray, Lord, that the words that I use will just speak truth into our lives this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Wonderful. So this morning, we're going to be looking at the parable of the weeds, which um, can be found in the book of Matthew, chapter 13. Now, we're going to read, um, first of all, from verse 24. So, um, so why don't you turn, if you've got your Bibles with you, if you've got a device or anything, otherwise it will come up on the screen behind me. So it starts off in verse 24 of uh, chapter 13. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed seeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed ears, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, don't you, um, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the good weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters first, collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. And we'll go back to that in a minute. But, you know, sometimes you'll hear a talk on a passage like this. You know, you might actually hear from someone who knows a thing or two about flowers and plants, and they'll give you some incredible insights into what I'm, I'm sure is a fascinating world of gardening. Sadly, this morning, you won't be getting any, any such insights because my knowledge of gardening is, is guided by this really, I think, very important principle, that there is always something better to be doing than pulling up weeds that are only going to grow back in a couple of weeks anyway. But 
seeing as there's always a deeper point that Jesus is trying to get to, I think we should be okay this morning. Okay, so let's unpack a little bit of what Jesus shares in this parable. You know, in this parable of the weeds, Jesus uses the analogy of a farmer who plants good seed into the land. But then, whilst uh, whilst everyone is sleeping, his enemy goes and plants bad seed into the land. Now, the good seed, it produces good crops, but the bad seed produces weeds which live side by side with these good crops. Now, looking around my garden, I'm pretty sure that's what someone has done to us. Although, if I'm honest, I'm not 100% sure which are the good crops and which are the weeds, partly because... The weeds often seem to look nicer in my eyes, but, you know, um, but that probably says something about what I'm doing wrong. Um, now, particularly, uh, particularly in our back garden, we have some raspberry plants that clearly somebody else planted before we arrived there. But I, I can tell these are good crops because they produce really good fruit because I've eaten them and they taste good, okay? But unfortunately, all of them are tangled in weeds. And perhaps the obvious thing to, would, be to pu- would be to pull them out, but... As I found out, that doesn't always work too well because you bring up the good stuff as well. And so what I'm trying to say is at surface level, we can look at this parable as a story about how to look after our gardens and help crops grow. But with these stories Jesus told, we can delve a little bit deeper to fully understand what Jesus is trying to get at. And helpfully in this instance, he takes his disciples aside And he explains some more. So we're going to pick up the story again um, in verse 36. It's helpfully entitled, Jesus Explains the Parable of the Weeds. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out the kingdom, his kingdom of everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Now throughout this whole chapter, Jesus is trying to help his listeners to understand more about the kingdom of heaven, God's kingdom, and about what will happen at the end of the age. Now 2,000 years ago, the Jewish people had a really strong idea of what they thought a kingdom should look like. Their nation was occupied by the Romans, the strongest and perhaps the most brutal regime in the world. And and secondly, they didn't believe in the same God or or gods as the Jewish people. All this meant that the Jewish people were longing for someone to come and step in and save them, to rescue them, to be their Messiah and to be their king. And this had been promised to them long before, through um, many years before Jesus was born in the Old Testament part of the Bible. Now, they were waiting, perhaps, for a mighty warrior, someone who would lead their people in rising up against the Roman Empire and restoring the kingdom of Israel. And so, when Jesus arrived, it's fair to say he wasn't what they were looking for. Jesus arrived with a completely different way of doing things. Sure, he he talked about a kingdom, but this was a kingdom based on loving your enemies rather than defeating them, of healing the sick, of bringing hope to the poorest and the most vulnerable in society. 
it's best to say it wasn't kind of the world-changing action they were looking for 2,000 years ago. And perhaps, if we're brutally honest with ourselves, it's beyond many of our hopes and expectations today. Maybe you're looking for someone to take you out of your current situation this morning, to fix everything, perhaps to change the government, to answer the questions that you have. And it's not to say those things aren't important, but Jesus does, did and does demonstrate a new way of living, an upside-down way of living, if you like, that contradicts the ways of the world. So when Jesus talks in this passage and throughout the Gospels about the kingdom of heaven, what is he really talking about? You see, the kingdom of heaven is not a physical location, but a spiritual realm, both in heaven, but also here on earth. It's where we see God's love and his goodness break out. A kingdom where those who are weak are made strong, where those who mourn will be comforted, where those who are poor and vulnerable and persecuted will be looked after. And we see some of that in the world today, don't we? We see some of Jesus' kind of kingdom breaking out, even amongst us here at Riverside. We see hope and, and lives being changed. But we also, we also see so much hatred and violence and people looking after themselves first rather than looking out for the needs of others. You know, if we look around the world today, we see the weeds of the evil one taking hold in many places. But, and, and we can compare the words of Jesus, blessed are the peacemakers, with the words that come out from some of our leaders, and we recognize that all is not well. But going back to the parable, at the moment we see the wheat and those weeds growing together. But Jesus talks about how all this evil in the world will eventually be wiped out. A time where there will be a harvest and there will be judgment. Because if the kingdom of heaven is going to come in all its fullness and its goodness, then everything that causes evil will have to be wiped out. Now, when you look around at all that goes on in this world, perhaps you wonder why God doesn't just deal with that now. Have you prayed that prayer ever before? I know I have. In the, in the parable, the servant wants to pull up the weed. And it says that in verse 28 and 29. But we're told that a judgment will come. You know, in one sense, we can think of it as Jesus is he's on it in terms of the weeding. Ultimately, he will weed out all that is good and not good. But there is a good future for those that choose to follow the ways of him, but not so good for those that follow the ways of the evil one. There is a day where God will deal with all that is evil in the world, but God won't allow that destruction yet because he wants to gather all the wheat into his barn. In other words, he wants everyone to have the opportunity to hear and respond to the good news of Jesus. Now, this is the bit you probably saw in the passage and hoped you might skip over. You see, it's not really very 2017, is it? It's, if we look at verse 40, as the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The reality is that there is a hell and it's real. We don't know exactly what it looks like, but it's a place where there is eternal darkness. You know, it's literally the absence of God and all that is good. Now, personally, I don't fancy being a part of that, and I don't fancy anyone I know and love being part of that either. But there is a hope 
And if nothing else motivates us to share that hope that lives inside us, then surely this can help drive us. But you know, this passage doesn't just talk about the now of God's kingdom. We can look forward to a time at the end of the age, as Jesus puts it, where all will be made well. And we read this in in Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven um, from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And this is the bit I really love. You know, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write, down this, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. So what does this all mean for us living today some 2,000 years later? We have a hope of an incredible future. We can live with hope that at the end of the age there will be no tears. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning or crying or pain. Because the old things will pass away. All the evil will be wiped out. The weeds will be pulled up and everything will be made new. And that's the hope that we can carry inside us and we can share with others. So if we want to be, uh, if we want to be people who carry this kind of hope, who carry around this kingdom life inside us, how should we as people of his kingdom be living our lives? Firstly, I think he wants us to be people who put Jesus first. The kingdom of heaven is all about knowing the king, Jesus. It's all about him, and it's about how we respond to him. And I love the way the disciples demonstrate this pretty well in the verses we've read this morning. From verse 26, Then he, that being Jesus, left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. You know, I love the way we get this extra insight into what life was like for the disciples. You know, wherever Jesus went, there were crowds. And, you know, if I was in his position or in the disciples' position, I'd be craving a little bit of peace and quiet now and again. You know, a little bit of, if I was one of the disciples, some time with Jesus alone. And we read that when Jesus left the crowd, he went into a house, and it was in that place that his disciples asked him to explain what he meant by the parable of the weeds. I think the first thing we need to be to be kingdom people is to seek Jesus and his kingdom first. The disciples seek out this quiet place. They seek out Jesus in that place. And I think for each of us, we need to find spaces and time just to be in his presence. You know, we often say around Riverside that every good thing starts in his presence. And I think that's what this passage is saying. You know, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man himself. And the Son of Man, if you're not sure, is, is that's the name that Jesus used to refer to himself by. You know, perhaps on Sundays, you know, make sure you're part of a regu- regular Sunday service. You're here this morning. Um, that's wonderful. For many of you, you know, it's something you do regularly. But I'd really encourage you to make it a habit. Get involved. Be part of what we're doing here. 
during your weekdays, you know, Monday to Saturday, at work, at home, at wherever, how are you putting Jesus first in your everyday life? You know, each day he wants us to start by coming into his presence. Rather than perhaps pick up our phones and check in with Facebook, Twitter, BBC News, let's pick up our Bibles and start praying and check in with our Creator. You know, perhaps, you know, you might be part of a small group, a Bible study or a prayer group. I'd really encourage you to think about that. You know, it's really important that we have touch points in our week where we can check in with others, but also align ourselves towards Jesus. So day by day, we need to put Jesus first, but we also need to put him first in our decisions. How we spend our time and our money, we say it so frequently, is such an important indicator of what's important to us. If we look at our calendars, our bank statements, they tell us what are the most important things in our lives. This means making him the center. When, and when we put him in the center, everything revolves around him. All our decisions, all our finances, what we do with our time, whether we look out for ourselves first or whether we put God first, others second and ourselves third. And I think we need to carry on being fed by the one who planted that good seed in the first place. Because we see all around us there is, there is evil in the world. In the parable, Jesus told his listeners that there will be bad seeds or weeds. Now, as I was preparing for this talk, I, believe it or not, I felt compelled to go and pull up a few weeds from my garden, which is why my hamstring's a little bit sore this morning. But what I noticed was that alongside every good plant, there were weeds, a lot of weeds. Um, but the weeds weren't just sat there cozily next to the good plant. They were wrapping themselves around the good plant, entangling them, and in some cases, suffocating the good seed. And in other places, the good seed was being encouraged to grow in ways that it shouldn't have been. Down when it should have been going up, left when it should have been going right. And in other cases, the growth, uh, the growth it should have been experiencing simply just wasn't happening. And if we compare that to our own lives, we can find ourselves so easily entangled. Perhaps this morning you're facing things that you're struggling with. You know, maybe it's sickness. Maybe you're struggling with anger. Maybe you're struggling with relationships that have been broken. Maybe jealousy. There may be a whole heap of things that you're experiencing this morning that you feel like that it's, it's almost like those weeds are entangling around you. But, you know, he wants us to get free from those things. You know, Jesus himself, he said in, in John 16, he says this in verse 33, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In life, the reality is we are going to face trials. We are going to face hardships. We face things that just aren't okay. What matters is how we deal with them. And I think this is what shapes and defines us as individuals. Do we deal with these things positively? Allowing God's grace and his goodness to influence us? Or do we allow them to drain us? to depress us, and even to destroy us. Yes, we will have trouble, but we can know and experience freedom because Jesus has overcome the world. And Jesus wants each one of us to know and experience complete freedom. 
Paul writes to Galatians in, in chapter 5, verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. We may have been following Jesus for years, sat here this morning. We may have just been dragged into church for the first time this morning. The same is true. Jesus wants us to know real freedom. He wants us to know that we, we don't have to be bound by our own sin. In other words, anything that can separate us from God or by anything else in this world. He wants us to know that we, each one of us, are his children and that he loves us. He loves us enough that he sent Jesus to die on a cross to give you that freedom. So let's not allow that bad seed to entangle us. Let's keep coming to the one that planted the good seed and allow him to help us get through. Now, if you're struggling with anything this morning, we'd love to be able to pray for you later. So do come forward when we, um, when we pray for each other later. If there are other things that are going on, we'd love to help you. So do come and chat to myself or one of the other pastoral team or someone in your small group that can really help you kind of move forward with any areas that you just feel stuck with right now. But, you know, when we receive that freedom for ourselves, he longs for us to share that hope and that freedom with others. He wants us to bring freedom to others as well. Now, Jesus said this to his disciples as he sent them out into the world earlier on in Matthew. He says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal those who are ill, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, give, uh, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. You know, as we go into, this, into the world, as we go about our everyday business, the kingdom of heaven has come near to our neighbours, believe it or not. It's become near to our, our work colleagues, our friends and our families because we carry it around with us. And just as we have received healing, so too we can share that healing and that freedom with other people. Freely we have received, now freely give. You know, Andy has often compared this to how we might ride a bike. You know, as one pedal pushes down, so the next one pushes down in turn. You know, freely you have received, now freely give. It's like a cycle. We kind of continually, we give, we receive, we give, we receive. And he sets us free so that we can bring that freedom to others. Now, as I said earlier, God wants to save each one of us. He wants each of his children to come back to him. Which is why the farmer in the parable will not yet destroy and pull out all those weeds. And why God will not yet remove all this evil in the world because he has the hope that each one of us will come back to him. And the incredible thing is that Jesus longs to partner with us in this. He chooses to partner with us. He gives each of us the opportunity to sow good seed into the lives of of the people we live with, our families, our friends, our work colleagues. And you might think, I can't do that. I have nothing to offer. But every small thing we do can make such a huge difference. And I just want to play a very short clip. We've got technology permitting. Isn't that amazing? It gives me hope that I could even do some gardening myself. But um, I don't want to go that far. But... but I, I just want to ask you this question this morning. What, what seeds are you sowing today? Who are you willing to share this hope and this freedom that you have? Who are you willing to share that with? 
You know, I think so often we believe that the lie that tells us that following Jesus is incredibly dull. But being a Christian should be anything but dull. Jesus tells us that he comes to give life to the full, meaning we are not here just to make up the numbers, to not rock the boat, but instead we are here on this earth to bring everything that we've been given to make the world we live in a better place. I don't know what unique skills that you have. Maybe you're a lawyer. You can be the best lawyer that you can be. You're an artist, a parent. You can be the best that you can be. You know, Jesus goes on to talk about the kingdom of heaven being like a yeast that works its way all through the dough. In other words, what we carry with us can work its way through every place we work, rest, or play. Your influence can be huge, whether that be in your own home, whether that be in a workplace, amongst family, school, university, in a factory or an office. You may have heard it said that Christians should be in the world, but not of it. You know, I strongly believe that we should be in the world, but we should be shaping the world to be a better place, using the unique skills and the unique gifts that each of us have been given. That does not rule out anybody here, okay? Each of us have been given unique things that we only can do to bless our communities, and bring the kingdom of heaven everywhere we go. And this really is how the transformation of our society and our world is going to take place. It's a choice. Do we live lives that are entangled, that bring judgment to others? Or do we live lives releasing God's freedom wherever we go? Everyone, every day, everywhere. I want to close with this from Paul in his letter the church in Rome, and it, it may well be familiar to you. But um, why, why don't you just um, why don't you just kind of like reflect on these words just as I read them, and then we will respond. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. I'm just going to repeat that again. Just reflect on that a little bit more. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday life, your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. love to give us some some space and give some time for the holy spirit to do what he wants to do amongst us this morning just to give us an opportunity to respond so if you're able to what why don't you stand with me it's always good to kind of say i'm, I'm standing and i'm, I'm going to make a difference in my posture to say i kind of want to make a, a change here I, I just sense there's really there's two areas that i feel like um god was really wants to to speak to us in this morning two very, very simple things. I just want to, you know, <laughs> nail it down to this. You know, what, what do you need to get free from this morning? And what seeds are you planting? So why don't you just where you are, if, you, if you're, uh, I, I just feel like the Holy Spirit just wants to, to come and bless us, to come and touch us this morning. And you may not be used to this, but I just want to inv- invite his presence to come.
And sometimes it can be really useful just to hold out your hand as though you're receiving a gift. Because he just wants to give each one of us good things. So why don't you just be still, be quiet. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Lord, I just thank you so much that you want to sow good seed into each one of us. But we are sorry, Lord, where we've allowed weeds, bad seeds to entangle us and to stop us from being all that we can be. So I want to ask, Lord, that right now, right in this space, that you would start to untangle those weeds that have been wound around us, the things that are stopping us from being all that you have made us to be.